0: Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for the gift of your spirit, which helps us uh, to understand your word and apply it to our lives. So we pray, Lord, that you'll help us to do that this morning as we seek uh, to love one another as Christ has loved us. Help us to do that for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've ever been to a wedding, certainly a Christian wedding ceremony, you are more than likely uh, will have heard these words of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the great love chapter of the Bible. What better reading could there be than this to have at your wedding? It is an amazing chapter, but it's a chapter not written specifically for Weddings. It comes uh, in between chapter twelve and chapter fourteen as a bridge to what Paul is saying. He's started his uh, teaching on uh, worship in the church and wanting that to be orderly. Uh, he's spoken about spiritual gifts, and in as he continues that in chapter fourteen, here in chapter thirteen, uh, we have this wonderful chapter about love. The Corinthian church, as we've seen already had been gifted with everything, every spiritual gift. You do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed right back in chapter 1 uh, of 1 Corinthians. They lack nothing. Yet Paul here as he's talking about spiritual gifts in the middle of that in chapter 13. He says, you lack no spiritual gift. What you lack is love. The gifts were given to build up the church. Yet Paul is saying you're using them in a way uh, that shows your lack of love for the church. This uh, group of Christians, this church which was blessed so richly by God, was very proud of what they had. And Paul says you lack one thing, you lack love, which he said at the end of chapter 12 is the most excellent way and so we begin verse one to three without love i am nothing if i speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love i am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal if i have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries And all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. So Paul gives these um, hypothetical uh, examples. If I could speak in the tongues of men, or of angels in the languages of men. Or of angels. We'll come back to what that means at next time. But if I have that gift. And do not have love. I am like a clanging a cymbal. A gong of pagan worship. I'm like a drum kit falling down the stairs. They are nothing without love. If... I have the gift of prophecy. If I can understand all the mysteries of God. If I have faith that can pick up a mountain and move it. But do not have love. I am nothing. This, by the way, isn't saving faith. It seems to be that there's a gift of faith that um, is extraordinary that not all people have, that in certain situations they show uh, this faith that not all people uh, can. He goes on, if I give everything away to the poor, if I give away all I have, if my life is lived completely sacrificially, if I suffer persecution even to the point of death, if I were to give all I had, even my life. Yet, if I was to do that without love, I gain nothing. They are worthless. The church at Corinth was proud, it was puffed up. They loved the gifts they had, they loved to use them. But they lacked love, they lacked the most excellent way. They looked really good, they looked like they were really spiritual yet they were without love for the body of Christ. So often in churches, people want to know if their gifts will be used. Will my gift be recognized by the church? Will I be able to use my gift if I join this church? I think that's the wrong question to begin with. I think if Paul was ministering in a church today, I don't think he would start there. I think he would begin by asking a question about how is your love for others? I don't think he would start by saying, what are your gifts? I think it would be, how do you love? How is your love for God's people? Gifts are a blessing to the church. They've been given to us by God for the building up of the church. We should want to use our gifts, but not because we feel like we have the right to use them or we feel entitled to use our gifts. We should want to use our gifts because of our love for Christ and one another and wanting to serve him and one another. So the question is, do we want to use our gifts to serve ourselves or do we want to use the gifts that God has given us because of our love for him? And for his people. Are we more concerned about using our gifts? Or are we more concerned about loving one another? One writer wrote, love isn't the same thing as having great gifts. We may be so gifted. uh, We may be gifted musicians, gifted teachers, gifted children's workers, gifted coffee makers... Gifted encourages gifted prayers. But none of that matters if we don't use our gifts in love. So that's the first thing. Without love, I am nothing. The second thing we see, uh, Paul shows us what kind of love he's talking about in verse 4 to 7. What is this love? Uh, that Paul wants us to live out, to have uh, for one another. How would you describe it? I think it could be described in two words. I don't know if, uh, as this was read, it took you uh, to a person. Who does it remind us of? It reminds us of Jesus. How can this this, uh, love that Paul speaks about be described? Two words, Jesus Christ. That's what we see. He shows us what love is. Galatians 2.20 The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Love is being like Jesus. 1 John 4.10 This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. If you didn't pick it up as it was read, as we go through it again, uh, notice those echoes of Jesus as we go through these verses because it is He who shows us what love is. The Corinthians had failed on the whole uh, to do that, to love uh, one another. So, what is this love? Uh, love is patient and kind, it's long suffering. It's being caring and thoughtful, gentle, treating others better uh, than we might think they deserve. It's being generous. Yet what have we seen so far in this letter? That the Corinthians have been impatient. Do you remember chapter 11 where we were looking at the meal? Uh, Some would arrive and they'd eat. And those who uh, arrived later on, Well, there was nothing left for them to eat. They left hungry. That is what love is. It is patient. It is kind. This is what love isn't. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Love is not green with envy. It's not puffed up like a balloon. It's not uh, one that marches around Uh, as the proud peacock. The Corinthians boasted in their gifts. They boasted in which leader they followed. They boasted in their knowledge, the knowledge that they had. There is uh, humility to love. Love is not rude. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Haven't we seen that throughout the letter uh, to the Corinthians? They insisted on their rights uh, to the neglect uh, of others. As they ate this food, this meat that was sacrificed to idols, as they went to pagan Temple meals and engaged in that without any thought uh, of the more immature new Christians. They took each other to court. They were irritated by one another. But Christian love is not like that. Christian love is to be polite, respectful, it's to be caring, thoughtful, uh, even well mannered. That is what love is, so Paul shown us what love is he 's shown us what it isn 't, and then he shows us what it does not do. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing we we 've seen that so often. Uh, In the Corinthian church, how how they, well, we don't know if they rejoiced. Maybe they did, but they were certainly uh, not affected by what was going on. Those uh, who engaged in the sexual immorality of the church. They engaged with the temple prostitutes. There was even a member of the church who uh, was in a relationship with his stepmother. And the church doesn't seem to mind Love doesn't mean that we let things uh, slide. If a person is happy, then out of love, let let them continue in that, in whatever it is, because they feel it is right for them. Who are we to say uh, that that's wrong? But that's not love. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Love does not rejoice in sin. Instead, it rejoices with the truth. And then, verse 7. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. As we look at those verses again, doesn't it take us to Jesus? He shows us what love is. He loved perfectly. His patience and his kindness towards those uh, <coughs> excuse me, who were hostile towards him. What did he say as he hung on the cross? Father, forgive them. He gave his life out of love. And he never boasted about anything he never rejoiced in wrongdoing he taught his disciples to forgive 70 times seven and wasn't he the example of that he gave all he had because of love he came and he died on the cross because he loved us I don't know about you. I read these verses, and yes, they're amazing verses, and we've heard them often. But I think they're quite hard verses for us to hear as well, because we know ourselves that we don't always love as Christ loved. We don't always love as these verses say that we should love. We know that we often fall short of loving others as Christ loved love does. But God has given us His Holy Spirit. He is at work in us. He's transforming us daily to be more and more like Jesus. So shouldn't that urge us to continue in prayer? Praying for ourselves and for one another that God by His Holy Spirit in us will be at work in our hearts producing the fruit of Christ-like character. I think it's a real challenge uh, for us and it's it's been a challenge for Christians throughout uh, the centuries to love as God says here and to love as Christ loved us. And finally in verse 8 to 13, this is why uh, we're to live this way. This is why we're to love because love lasts forever. Forever. The Corinthians valued their gifts. They valued highly um, prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. But Paul wants them to value more highly that which is superior. He says uh, in verse 8 But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. What will happen to these gifts that they valued so highly? One day they will be uh, no more. They will pass away. They will cease. They will be stilled. 4, verse 9, we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. What is... Uh, that that Paul's saying, what is this completeness that comes? What is, what is that um, perfect that comes? It's referring to Jesus, to his second coming. He will come again. And when he does, there will be no need for prophecy, for tongues, uh, and for knowledge because we will fully know, as verse 12 uh, tells us. Love is the one thing that will last. That will never end. It will last forever. It's like the everlasting gobstopper from Willy Wonka. It goes on forever and ever and ever. And Paul gives us uh, two illustrations. Verse 11, When I was a child, I taught like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. When we grow up, into maturity, we leave behind those childish ways. And Paul's saying when uh, completeness comes, when perfection comes, when we reach heaven, when Christ returns, those gifts of prophecy, tongues and knowledge will be left behind. Because in our maturity, uh, those gifts will no longer be needed. We won't need them because we will be face to face with Jesus. Jesus. They'll be left behind just like uh, our ways of childhood will be le- are left behind when we uh, grow to maturity, to adulthood. And he says, verse 12, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then shall I know fully, even as I am fully known. C- Corinth was um, famous for its mirrors. They weren't glass mirrors, they were made out of metal, but they worked as mirrors work. Today, you look at a mirror and you see your reflection. But it's only a reflection, it's not the real person. And so I thought, well, that's like a photo. We have photos of people. I have wonderful photos of Lara and the children, they're brilliant. Um, But a photo is only a photo, it's only a picture. It is nothing compared to the person in the picture. And when you then are standing face to face before the person in that picture, the picture becomes useless because you're face to face with that person. I've heard it so many times recently as we have got off Zoom, uh, people saying it's so nice to see people in the flesh and not on a screen. Paul's point is that the gifts of the Spirit are like photos uh, for the church. When Christ returns, when perfection comes, then we will see him face to face. And just like A picture outlives its usefulness when we are face-to-face with that person. So it is with the gifts that God has given his church. When Christ comes, when perfection comes, we will see him face-to-face and then we will fully know. And Paul closes off the chapter. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And I like that sort of three prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. They will cease. Faith, hope, and love are now. And love is the greatest of the three. It's a chapter, this, chapter 13. Uh, that calls us to serve Christ and to serve one another in love. When Jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment, how did he respond? Love God and love your neighbor. We've sung about it uh, this morning. Christ shows us what it is to love one another. So let us love the people of God, this church, as Christ Loved us. Let this church, let Trinity Community Church in Accrington be characterized by its love for one another. 1 John 4 verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Hear that call, hear that challenge this morning and let us love one another as Christ has loved us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the way that you've gifted us here at Trinity. We're so thankful for the many blessings that we have, the way people have gifts and they use them here. And we thank you for that. Father, we pray That above that, that we will be known for our love for you and for one another. Help us to love as you have loved us. Change and transform us, we pray, more and more each day into the likeness of your Son. All for your praise and for your glory. Amen.